On the telephone line with me right now is the legendary Jane Seymour. Jane, how you doing? Great, thanks. Jane, thank you for being on the Ray Carr Show here in Cleveland, Ohio. I appreciate this very, very much. And uh, I'd like to start the interview off about, uh, you know, let, let me go back in your um, early days of your acting career. And uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, how it began? Uh, I have, uh, if my memory serves me right, you were in a movie in 1969, and it was um, called um, Oh, What a Lovely War. And you were uncredited. Was that your first role in the movies? I suppose it was. Right. I was um, basically, originally I was a dancer, a ballerina, or trying to be a ballerina. Okay. And um, I danced um, with the Kirov at Covent Garden, which was a fantastic experience. And then I also did sort of musical comedy, and I auditioned for and got the role of one of, I think, six or eight chorus girls behind Maggie Smith in Richard Attenborough's first movie called Oh, What a Lovey War. And I was actually given one line. And Maggie Smith said, is there a man digging your garden when he should be digging trenches? And I squeakily came out and went, he should be digging trenches. And that was it. So I got spotted from that by the top agent in England and Richard Attenborough and, of course, Richard Attenborough's son, uh, who I eventually, having dated for many years, ended up marrying. Wow. So, um, but I... I did that. Uh, that that was a you know a chorus girl role, and then I was um, I did a number of other things, and I'd injured myself as a dancer, so I became an actress. I went to a, a great dance school that was also a theatre school, and so um, I I did you know acting, dancing, singing, costume design, set design, history of dance, history of theatre. You know, it was a very wide curriculum, so I was you know prepared for a, a lot of other options. So, yeah, if, act, if acting didn't work out, you would be able to go into virtually anything within the theater world. Um, you know, it, it was a very wide curriculum. That was really good. And, and it really was um, a school that specialized in taking dancers that weren't built with exactly the right body to be the Royal Ballet um, and turning us into either sort of musical comedy or actresses or something else, you know. So a lot of alumni did very well as as actors and actresses and, and um, musical comedy um, rather than than sort of major classical ballet. I see. I hate to ask you this redundant question, but I have to know, who were some of your great influences in those early days? I would say Anne Bancroft. Okay. Um, Maggie Smith, obviously. Um, I remember watching the movie The Red Shoes um, with, um, what's her name, Shearer, Moira Shearer. Right. That's why I wanted to dance. And um, I had a um, a friend of my family who was a famous opera singer called Amy Shuard, who I saw, and I've never forgot going backstage after she died in, in Aida on stage. Um, and then we went backstage, and I saw her pull off her eyelashes, take off her wig, wipe off all the makeup, take off the costume, and underneath was Auntie Amy. And I just went, okay, that's for me. <laughs> wow. 
Now, you, let's move forward, if we may, for just a moment here and talk about 1973's movie Live and Let Die. Right. What are your thoughts about, uh, you know, being one of the James Bond girls? Well, I was 20 years old when they hired me and um, very, very innocent. And they were looking for a virgin. And I don't think there were many left in the, in the 70s. I was a rare breed. Um, and I was as close as they could get. So I, I don't know. I, I got very lucky being hired. Um, and I knew nothing about Bond films at all. And I took it rather seriously, and Roger Moore used to nickname me Baby Bernhardt after Sarah Bernhardt, because I, I thought it was a serious acting role. Um, and uh, the other thing I really remember about it was that the costumer, who was very famous, uh, came up with costumes that did not suit me at all, and they hated them. And they said, you looked better at the party last night in your own clothes, and I had no budget for clothes at all. Um, so I ended up um, helping them with designing the right clothes. And that's why, to this day, every movie I go on, I, I tend to bring my own costumes. So that started early, and that's probably why I wanted to design. I, I always used to make all my own clothes because I didn't have any money, and I used right. to sell my clothes to make money for ballet shoes and things. So I kind of got in the design world at the same time. And anyway, the, the Bond film was my first really big break. And then after that, there were, there were some other very good movies, and, and then Somewhere in Time in 1980, and that's a, a movie yes. that I like very, very much. And uh, talk, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, it's really interesting because I, uh, I read it, and I just went, this is the movie I have to make in my lifetime. This is just, and I wanted it so badly, and I was so used to rejection that I just thought, oh, this is never going to happen. So I met, and I met with Christopher Reeve, and it all went really well, and, and a girlfriend called and said, oh, I'm turning 30 or 40, I can't remember what it was, probably must have been 30, you know, I'm freaking out, can you come and take me to the beach? So I took her to the beach, and didn't come back till way later in the day, at which point there were all these phone calls from everyone saying, you've got it, you've got it, you've got it, it's your role, and... Um, I was ecstatic, and then I started working with Christopher Reeve, and um, we we really hit it off immediately, and and became lifelong, lifelong friends. Wow. Um, and so a lot of what you see on screen there was very real. Yeah, it, it seemed to have a magic uh, unto itself. It just was really a, a movie that it will last forever. Yes, I, I, it. it it really was, you know, it, it, quite often you do love stories where the people don't really connect. And when Chris and I were together, we connected on a very, um, I, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but it was... Emotional uh, level? A great, it was a very great love that that lasted long after the movie and, you know, persisted even while we were all married and having children and doing other things. And we were just very, very close until the end. And um, um, Dana became a very close friend and 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 James became very close friends with, with Chris. And I would talk to Chris for hours and hours after the, um, after the terrible accident. But um, there, there was... Um, just, uh, you know, there was something very magical that happened when we made that movie. You know, it's very unusual. Right. Uh, we're speaking with Jane Seymour right here in the Ray Carr Show on WCSP in Cleveland. Um, when you work with uh, Christopher, do, do you think it, it was just, did you know right off the bat this is going to work? This is going to be special and this is going to be unique? When I 
when I read the script, I felt that way okay. very strongly. I, I've had those feelings very rarely in my life. I had it for that. I had it for Dr. Quinn. Um, I had it for wedding crashes, believe it or not. You know, sometimes you just know. You just go, okay, this is, this is it. This one really works. And um, it was a tiny movie. They had almost zero budget on it. I was barely paid. Um, you know, when it came out, Universal weren't bothered with it at all. They barely wanted to release it. Um, the Screen Actors Guild had a strike, so Chris and I weren't allowed to publicize it. It was literally kind of thrown into the garbage. And by some miracle, the public found it and decided that they loved it. And to this day, it's one of the most loved um, romance movies ever. Yeah. I mean, people stopped me all over the world. Um, to talk to me about Somewhere in Time. And when General Colin Powell stopped me and said he'd watched it 15 times, <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's really interesting. This is the toughest guy, you know, the guy who runs the armed forces, and he is fessing up to the fact that this movie is really important to him. And I saw him only last year, and the first thing he did, he said, oh, my God, Somewhere in Time. So presumably by now he's watched it another 15 times at least. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. But it, it, and it's people say it's a chick flick, but it really isn't. It's men who are most um, actually impacted by the film for some reason. Um, also, somewhere in time, there'll be a, um, I guess, a weekend dedicated to the movie at Mackinac Island on October fifteenth. Is that correct? This is true. Yes, they've been doing this almost ever since we made the movie, which is amazing. And Chris and I used to say one day we'll go back to the island, and then this group called. Insight, the international network of summer in time enthusiasts, <laughs> they started putting this, this weekend together and Chris went to it before I was able to go to it, before he had his accident. He said, oh, Jane, you've got to come. You can't believe what's happening with our movie. It's got a life of its own. And, and then after he'd had the accident, I was able to go there. We were never able to go there together. Although one time I went there and uh, I managed to get Chris on the telephone and on a loudspeaker so all the people who were there could hear us all talking to one another. And that was pretty magical. But I'm going to go there um, on this occasion, so I'll be there this year. That's fantastic. Another one of my favorite roles, uh, Jane, I love Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, that ran in, on TV from 1993 to 1998. And I think that was an excellent role. I just think it was inspirational, entertaining, and educational all rolled into one. Thank you. Well, Beth Sullivan was an amazing writer and producer, and she created the role. And uh, and Joe Lando was just, again, I really got lucky. I, I was cast opposite a man that I genuinely loved. And I think he came across. In fact, right now, um, I'm having a, a, a bit of a dinner party down by my pool, and, and Joe Lando's there right now with his four kids and and his wife. So wow. we are we are still very very close. We joke about the fact that we were married because, <laughs> I mean, we saw one another more than we ever saw our spouses. Oh my goodness! Is there ever a chance that they could um, rekindle the um, you know Dr. Quinn character again on TV or not? Um, CBS don't want to, and they own the rights. And I think, you know, the fans have begged and begged and begged, and, and they, for some reason, are very resilient, and I don't know why. But um, we have all the costumes. We did a little spoof on it on a um, on the Internet on a wonderful Will Ferrell comedy show called Funny or Die, <laughs> uh, which is hysterical. So it's called Dot Quinn Morphine Woman, the premise being, it was my idea, I'm afraid to say it, 
Wow. That, um, that Dr. Quinn inadvertently realizing that all she had to offer people was morphine, cocaine, um, uh, whiskey, a leather strap, boiled water, and if cloud dancing was around, willow bark tea, um, that she inadvertently turned them all into addicts and alcoholics and was producing blue morphine, rather. It was like, it was a spoof on Breaking Bad and Dr. Quinn. So. Wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> it, it, it is funny, but we, we did all show up for it. That was what was so wonderful. And, and uh, they all showed up and they all looked far too good. And they all had, you know, t- taken their costumes from CVS. So they still had their costumes pretty much. <laughs> and um, I said, you're all looking too good. You're supposed to be addicts and alcoholics. And they, they very willingly, you know, made themselves look as bad as they possibly could. And it was a lot of fun. And it, for us, it was the only reunion we ever had since making, you know, since the show was canceled. So it was a very meaningful time for us, although I realized for some people it was rather sacrilegious. <laughs> no, I think it's hilarious. I, it's great that you have a great sense of humor like that. Um, the other thing I was very impressed about your career, and there's many things, Jane, and uh, you're, you're a jewelry designer too. Um, yes, well, I, I created... I created an image, I'm a painter and a sculptress, and I painted an image of two hearts that connected, that were open. And that really came from my mother's um, teaching to me and my sisters that in life there would be challenge. And when there was challenge, that the natural instinct of a human being is to close off and keep it to themselves. But if you could accept what had happened, however difficult, open your heart, and in some way reach out to help someone else, even in the nicest in the tiniest little way, like opening a door for someone or holding the elevator or asking somebody how they're doing or how they're feeling, um, that you have a purpose. And once you have a purpose, love and solution to your problems comes into your life. So I interpreted this as a piece of jewelry, which I wore when I did Dancing with the Stars and my mother had gone through a terrible stroke. And it was my mother's favorite show and I knew I'd never see her again. So I wore this piece of jewelry to touch and feel and remind me of of who she was and what she meant and and what her wisdom was. And randomly, I met uh, people from K Jewelers, and they said, you know, would you like to do a jewelry line with us? And I said, on the condition that we spread the concept of opening your heart and opening your mind, I said, that's my message. That's my mother's message. That's a message that I think the world needs right now. And and so that's what we did. So I designed all these pieces, and um, the message goes with the jewelry, whether people know it or not. Uh, I know it. And we also have a foundation called the Open Hearts Foundation where we raise money um, for, more often than not, charities or organizations that um, people might not know about. Um, but based on the story of someone that went through a challenge and turned it into an opportunity to help others. That's wonderful. It really is. Um, and you said you were a sculptor and a painter, too. Tell me about some of the, th- the works that you've done. Well, 40, gosh, before Dr. Quinn, just before Dr. Quinn, I lost everything financially, emotionally. It was physically, it was terrible. And I gave the last one I had to a uh, fundraising thing for um, abused children, and um, I, I put some money on uh, down for a, a, a silent auction item for an artist to do a drawing of my kids. And the artist came to my house and saw these finger paintings that of you know, in my children's playroom and offered to give me some free art lessons. And the next thing I knew, I couldn't stop painting. It was my release. It was my sort of zen moment from going through anger and fear and 
and and you know all the things that I felt about what was happening in my life, and it was so healing. And I never imagined I'd ever become a professional painter, but I now do about twelve to fourteen major shows, um, all of in Canada and, and America. And the last one was actually on the one of the last ones was on the Queen Mary, um, and I design now furniture. Um, I design, obviously, the jewelry. I design um, sheets and bedding and lamps and all kinds of things um, using my artwork as well as um, the open heart uh, symbol. It seems like it's a great outlet for you. I think, you know, when you get to a certain point, you realize what you can do and what you can't do. I still can't type. Joanne, no, I know what you pathetic. mean. Yeah. And I'm absolutely hopeless with my with my um, computer. I mean, it's, I'm a terrible dinosaur, but I can handwrite and write a book, handwritten. I can, I can do lots of other things. And I've decided um, to quit worrying about that stuff because other people do it much better than I do. But I am... Um, I'm a communicator, and so I have an emotional response to things in life, whether it's something beautiful or nature or flowers or um, circumstances. And um, and I transfer that either into roles I play or, or you know, movies I make or paintings I paint or jewelry or designs that I do. And so, um, and and also through that, philanthropy-wise, I. I want to to help and bring attention to people who are doing extraordinary things that people might not have heard about. That's wonderful. Really is. You're, you simply are an amazing uh, Renaissance person. You just do so many things well, and we're uh, grateful to have you on the show. I just have a couple more quick questions for you. Um, I had a, a question from a friend of mine that wanted to know a little bit about Battlestar Galactica. He wanted me to ask you that question. So if you could speak yeah, a little bit about I'll, I'll- I'll tell you, um, they cast me to play Serena, and I was the only character that wasn't going to be in the series because um, I died in the original episode, as written, of galactic cancer, mm. leaving Boxy, and that was it. And um, apparently when they tested the show, I tested higher than everybody. So they came back and they said, we want you in the series, and I pointed out I was dead, and they said, well, not exactly. We rewrote it and somehow cut out all the bits where you were dying and you're still alive. So I came back and I think I did two more episodes um, and that was all I would do and then I died. Um, but they made me do everything they would have had me do in a, in a series and um, it was very interesting. You know, I, I only did it for a very short amount of time but a lot of people seem to remember it and of course oh, yeah. it's been hugely successful but... I um, sadly, I never saw the the new Battlestar, and I didn't see very many of the old ones, to be honest. Wow, Jane, uh, where do you go from here? What do you, what kind of stuff do you have coming up in your um, in your agenda for this year? Well, I have a movie called uh, Bereave, okay, which is a fantastic movie about a couple who've been married for forty years, and he finds out he's dying of cancer, and he doesn't want his wife to know or to put her through the misery of that journey, so he decides he's going to to take his own life. Um, but a variety of circumstances happen on his 40th anniversary that he gets interrupted every time he's about to do something and then suddenly his wife does not understand why he's behaving so rationally and why this love that she had for him, why he's you know cutting her off and behaving weirdly. She doesn't get it. She doesn't know what's going on. 
and um, then she goes missing, and um, he has to stay alive to find her and make sure she's okay. Um, it's it's a, an amazing movie. Um, it was in film festivals. It just got um, picked up, so it's going to be released, um, hopefully in the new year. Uh, I also did a movie, and that's with Keith Carradine and um, um, Malcolm McDowell and Vanessa Shaw. Um, a lot of people say it's the best work I've done, so hopefully people will see it. But it's a little tiny movie. And then I did a movie called High Strong, which is a dance movie, which I um, exec produced, which is a really wonderful, fun movie that brings me back to my dance roots and great story about a young ballerina and a violinist who's um, busking on the subway. It's a wonderful movie. And that's been picked up too. Um, I did Fifty Shades of Black, Ooh, which is a wow. crazy out there comedy. It's a parody of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey with huh. um, Marlon Wayans, and I'm playing his mother. Wow. So you can imagine. That would be more in the ilk of uh, Wedding Crashes. Um, huh. And what else? Um, trying to think. What it's else? quite a bit. Yes, there's, there's a bunch of things going on. Well, Jane, you are one of my favorite actresses of all time. I admire your um, your, your ability. Uh, you play a role like nobody nobody can play. And uh, Jane, the best of luck to you. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Have Thank a good you. day. Bye bye. A show is a show. I know you know they're broadcasting mono and stereo. My favorite one on the radio, the famous Ray Car Show. Tuesdays on WCSB, it's 89.3 FM frequency. 7 a.m. to 9 will be the famous Ray Car Show. DJ's yakety yak, a street commercial radio. But Mr. Ray will always feature quality audio. A show is a show, I know you know. There's hundreds of them on the radio. Which is the one you want to know? Well, listen to this. It's the Ray Car Show!